Like I said, you got Luke chapter 18. Let's go there. And I want to give you a little context before uh, we start to really wrap up this series that I think has been phenomenal. Pastor Mark preaching last week on how God really loves and cares about lost things. And you've had incredible communicators come in, Pastor Jace. And I, mean, I think it's very, uh, I think it's, it's great. But if you haven't been with us, don't think that this is like a Netflix series that if you miss out on the first week, you, you, you got to go back, okay? Because Jesus did something. He, he told illustrations in what the Bible likes to call parables. And that's what the series has been about, is the way that Jesus would use these stories. And it's one reason why I love him so much is so he could relate and be both powerful yet practical all at the same time to present to you so that you would understand, so that you would know, as the Bible even says, so that you would hear and you would listen, you would engage with God. And so today, where we catch up with him is that he is telling this parable of a tax collector and a Pharisee. Now, I'm just going to let you know something, okay? Uh, and, and I'm going to say this. You might be like, all right, it's kind of a weird term. Like, this isn't like the, the sexiest of all parables that Jesus told. There's a lot of other ones out there that, like, uh, it, it preaches, you know, a little bit easier and maybe relates just a little bit quicker than, than this one will. But I think if you'll lean in with me today and, and listen, you'll hear what Jesus was really trying to communicate during that time. But not only that, how many of you know his spirit is so good he can communicate in 2022 in Paducah, Kentucky today. Amen, everybody? And so uh, we, we see these different parables, these different illustrations, and he comes in, he says this, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, meaning that y'all ever been around those people? Like they just, they better than everybody else, right? They don't smell bad, as we like to say down in Alabama, okay? says, so Jesus told this parable, it says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. Now, let me time out for just a second. If you're new to scripture, if you're new to church, maybe you don't know what this is all about. A Pharisee basically is the church leaders of that day. They're the religious people of that day. They're the goody two-shoes. They got everything figured out. And we see it because he says, one, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. Now, if you're a tax collector in this room, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize to you, okay? Um, we love you, and we're glad you're here. But if you lived 2,000 years ago in this Jewish culture, you were not liked, okay? You were a part of the man. You were a part of the government, the Roman authority, okay? And the Jewish people really looked down upon him during that day. And he says, uh, these two men came up, and the Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. I don't know if you ever prayed like this. Please don't ever do it. He says, and thank God I'm not like this tax collector <laughs> right here. He says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I have. Verse 13, it says, but the tax collector, it says he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, talking about the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. And this is really the main point of our message today, is that for all those who will exalt themselves, check this out, they're going to be humbled. And those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. So we see an equation, we see, it's really, it's binary, honestly, it's, there's these two portions to this equation that if you're going to exalt yourself and promote yourself and, and really um, uh, live in your own self-righteousness and your own self-esteem and by your own integrity and your own character and you are going to do you, baby, you're going to be humbled, 
But if you can learn this, and if we can lean into this today, honestly, this parable, this illustration, this story that Jesus was trying to tell, that if we live a humble life, then God's going to take care of the rest. He's going to care for us. So I want to do this. I want to pray for us because, man, I, I want Jesus to preach a message that I can't. I want him to do things that I cannot and speak to hearts that, honestly, I didn't make, okay? So let me pray for us. And then if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's the title of the message as we conclude the parable series today. I call it the pain of being perfect. Everybody say perfect. The pain of being perfect. Let me pray. Father, we love you so much, Jesus. This is why we're here. God, is to come honor you, to worship you, to exalt you, Jesus. Father, I pray, God, that your spirit would go before me, Father, before us, Jesus. God, that you would speak in a way that a man cannot speak. God, that you would speak to hearts that your Bible says you hand-knit together in their mother's womb, Jesus. And Father, more than anything else, God, that you would change us. God, and I just pray for somebody in this room, God, to make the decision today to go all in with you, give their heart to you, their life, their soul, and their strength to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Come on, everybody say. Hey, uh, raise your hand if you've ever been in a situation before where you know that I have messed up and I need Jesus. Anybody ever been there before? Um, if you haven't, you will at some point in your life, okay? Um, for mine, uh, my wife and I, I don't know if, if it was like this for you. Our first year of marriage was really, really tough, okay? Uh, because whenever I do uh, premarital counseling, I always tell them, hey, here's what marriage is, okay? It's when you take one big mess, that's you, okay? Just self-admit to it. You take another giant mess, and you put those two messes together, and guess what you are? You are a mega mess, okay? Why? Because you're human, and you, you have flesh that's hanging off your bones, right? And so when we came together, can I, can I be honest with you? I came in with a ton of of independence and selfishness. And my wife, she is an angel that kind of just floats around all over the place. She slaps me with her wings everywhere that she goes. You know, it's kind of annoying how great she actually is, right? And so I remember our, our first year of marriage, um, we go on our honeymoon. It's great and everything. And we come back home and we were babies, right? We were 22 years old. Some of y'all are 22 and, and married in here like, man, we got this figured out. Well, message is for you today, all right? You're going to get humbled at some point. Uh, and man, I, we go into... We, we, we come back home and it's a Saturday and I'm thinking I'm going to do what I've done every Saturday up until this point through my teenage years and in my small amount of adulthood that I've lived. I'm going to play video games, right? <laughs> so yeah, you're laughing like, oh, now I feel the men in the room like, no, bro, you got to kick those out. I did. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sitting there playing Halo. That shows you how long ago that was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I flunked out of some college classes because of that, right? And uh, I'm sitting there, and I look over to the side, and my wife, and she's just kind of in the corner, and she's got this beautiful black hair. It's one of the things I love about her. I'm like, baby, just like, like don't ever color your hair. It's just beautiful how God made it. And I'm looking over there, and she's, her, hair, her hair's kind of like down like this, and her, her shoulders are just kind of going like this. And I'm like, I don't, what, is she practicing for Thriller? Like, what's about to happen right here, you know? And, uh, and so I, I'm looking over, I'm like, hey, you know, what's wrong? And I, all I hear is whispering. I'm like, is she praying in tongues? What's happening, right? <laughs> you know? And I go over there and I, and I look at her and, you know, I'm thinking, I'm 22 and married. I got this whole thing figured out, right? And I go over to her. I'm like, hey, baby, you know? <laughs> hey, girl, bae, boo, shawty. You know, that was kind of a thing back then. You know, if you, you laughed if you're a millennial, okay? <laughs> it means you're getting older. And I said, hey, what's wrong? And every woman in here has done this before. And you can feel what's happening, right, already. I said, hey, baby, what's wrong? I'm your man, right? And she goes, 
nothing, right? <laughs> and you can tell how immature I was. I looked at her and I go, okay. <laughs> and I turned around and I walked away. I look back over there, and them shoulders are heaving just a little bit more, you know, and I'm sitting there like, man, I, like, I got to perform here. I got I to gotta be the man of the house. So I'm like, you will tell me, thus says the Lord, you know, never, ever say that. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, true story, um, for about 20 seconds, I locked her in the bathroom, okay? I didn't know what else to do. She got out, okay? <laughs> She's stronger than I am. <laughs> and uh, I've matured, repented um, in our marriage. She's still much more of an angel than I am. And I learned very, very quickly. And if you're like looking to get married in here, I'd never do what I did in that moment. But I, I was in a moment there where I was like, you know what? I need God, right? Lord, I need you to show up because why? I, as a husband, am just messing all of this up right now. Just so you know this, video games got kicked out of the house like that week, okay? So you still loan them. Kick them out in Jesus' name, okay? Um, commercial break back in. And so I was at this moment where I'm like, God, I need you, right? I tell you honestly what is a, a ridiculously true story to tell you this. We are in a cultural time period and a generation that we are in, in a, in a season, in a span of this world. I don't know if you noticed this or not, what's going around in society. Here's what we need, God. We don't need, really, uh, though it helps and these are good things. We don't need more government or politicians or social media or voices or this or that. We are in a moment, in a time period in history, and honestly, it's never changed. We need Jesus. That's where we are. I mean, I just want to submit to you today, that's the posture that we must take. And maybe you're in here today. And, and you've been in this, what I call a religious rat race, and you have just tried to muster up all the strength yourself and check every box and do everything right. Well, can I just be honest with you? We're much like the Pharisees in that. That in our own self-righteousness, in our own way of making ourselves right, in our own performance, in our own rat race, here's what we buy into. We buy into this, this painful process of trying to be perfect, I mean, I just, I want to set somebody free here today and I'm just going to let you know, man, um, this isn't going to be like the, the most complex or poetic message that you've ever heard. It's just a plain gospel message that Christ died to set you free and you can't produce enough. You can't produce or perform enough that it's only Jesus and what he did on the cross for you that you can be truly set free today. But here's the problem with it in our Western culture. Come on, we would like, it's, hey, get up and grind, baby. And I believe in hard work. I believe God made work for a purpose and for a reason for us to enjoy what the Bible says, our work. But when we get into this mindset and into the space, honestly, I, I think it's a rhythm. It's a, it's a rhythm from the enemy himself that we think, man, if I can just do this and muster everything up, then I can perform enough and God's going to love me more. He's going to use me more. Can I just let you know, I came to set somebody free and I'm just this mean old preacher from Alabama to let you know something, it's not about you. That everything's all about Jesus. What Jesus has done for us. And so today, honestly, I, man, I, I just wanna bring something to you. In fact, this is our first point, if you wanna write this down. That if you want pain, be perfect. If you want pain in your life, you wanna guarantee pain in your life. Hey, do this. Try your hardest. Be the best version of you that you can be. As society would say, which is an absolute lie, go live out your truth, right? 
But here's what you have to know. You are asking for a full plate of pain inside your life. Raise your hand if you've ever been through pain in your life, maybe broken a bone, maybe emotional scar. All of us have experienced that at some point in time, right? But it's not something that we would want to invite in. Though we can't stay away from it, we can't avoid it. It's not something that we say, hey, you know what, here's, here's what I'm going to invite into my life, and I'll submit to you today. You want pain in your life? Try the performance route. Try the religious route. Try the ritualistic route. If you want to invite pain into your life, you know, um, one of my favorite portions of Scripture, uh, really one of my favorite stories inside the Scripture is uh, of King David. And, and all of you have probably heard of his name before. Um, you've, you've probably heard this term before because, come on, let's be honest, your teams in the state are always in March Madness. Um, David versus Goliath, right? Come on, you always hear the David versus Goliath story, right? And that's probably something that you've been told. I love King David. I love his story. First and Second Samuel are my two favorite books of the Bible. And, and we see this journey, honestly, through David, this, this maturity that he has. He goes through, he slays Goliath, coming from just a shepherd boy to this anointed man and has this triumph and this victory while he's just taking some cheese to his brothers. He goes into the house of the king and the king becomes jealous. They call him the mad king Saul, throwing spears at him. He hides away in caves for what most people believe is around 12 years and comes back into, he honors all the way through, comes back into, into power, into, into one region that he was in and then into the full region. And we see this man who has this tagline. He's known as a man after God's own heart, right? This is pre-Jesus even being here. Like he's, it's almost like we see this, this very raw and real relationship that he has. And so David does something. He messes up. In fact, do, go ahead and do this. Raise your hand in this room and leave it up if you've ever messed up before, okay? If, you have, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. <laughs> we, uh, we're praying for you. Keep it up. Keep it up. You ever messed up before? Come on, keep it up. Keep it up. Now, let's do this because let's see how bad you've messed up, okay? Keep your hand up if all in the same day that you were a conspirator, a murderer, an adulterer, and a liar all in the same moment. Keep your hand up, right? Your hands are going back down all over the place, right? Why? Because we've never messed up that bad. And we see this king make this royal mistake as he goes after this woman, Bathsheba. But here's, that's not even really the point of this story. It's where David goes after that. It's how David responds. Maybe you're in here today and you feel like, you know what, pastor? Hey, man, I can never be used by God because of what I have done. Again, you're going into your own performance in your own place, and that's going to lead to your own pain. So what does David do? Psalm 51. I want you to see this with me. He says this, you do not delight and sacrifice, God. This is right after he's made the, the most royal mess up of his life. I, I want to pause on that because of this. That's almost blasphemous for David to say that. Because in the day and time, the, the, the law in which they lived by, for him to say, you know what, God? You don't delight yourself in sacrifice. It's almost blasphemous. But David knows something and he realizes something. That the only cure for his pain in his life isn't by what he does or what, by what he produces. He says this, or I'd bring it to you. <laughs> I'd bring you the fattened calf. I, I'd bring you the bull. I'd put it on the altar. I would know it. He says, no, you don't delight yourself in sacrifice. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. 
Now, somebody had to get mad when he said that one. Because that is what you are supposed to do as a good southern <laughs> Israelite, right? No, he says, my sacrifice, O oh God, is this. It's a broken spirit, a humble and a contrite heart. And then I love this, and, and maybe this, let the scripture speak to you more than a man can. He says, that, God, you won't despise. And I don't, I don't know every story in this room. I don't know many stories in this room. I just know how the, the, the flesh and our own sin and our own ways can create this turmoil inside of us that we think that we have done so much that we must earn it back or we can never go to God. But he says this, no, what I'm looking for is not all that you can do and produce. I'm looking for your heart. Yeah. I'm looking for the real version of you. I'm looking for how I hand-knit you together in your mother's womb, as Jeremiah chapter 1 says. I'm looking for the masterpiece that I created, Ephesians chapter 2 lets us know. That not what I'm looking for isn't what you can bring. I mean, I just came to, I came to break this off of you today. The best you got, the Bible says, is like a leper's rags, <laughs> right? Some translations say filthy rags. A lot of context with, with that portion of scripture. You just know, hey, you can't do and produce enough. David understands this as he messes up royally in all that he does. He doesn't try to play this game or he doesn't try to earn his way back in. And man, can I let you know something? That's the different, differentiator in Christianity and every other claimed religion that's out there. It's why he is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody's going to eternity with him but through him. You know why? Every other religion says this. Do this, 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 and this. And a lot of them say, and maybe you'll get to heaven. You know what Christ says? It's not about what you can do or produce. It's about what I did for you. It's about that I went to the cross. I was hung high and spread wide with a crown of thorns twisted onto my scalp, suffocating on my own blood because I loved you and I wanted to obey my father. And what does he do? He raises again as the Bible gives us a promise that says that you will have life. A lot of translations say this, a full one. A full life. And man, I just don't know about you. I want all the abundance in life. I want the fullest life that I can possibly live. I want to live out like the tagline that we see as soon as you drive in. Welcome home. And we're here to bring out the potential that God has put inside of you. I, can I let you know something? You won't live out your potential if you're still living in your pain. You got to be set free. The only way that that can truly happen, you got to let go of your own performance. And here's what has to happen. You must be real with God. You must take who you are to him. Not this fake version of you, right? In fact, this isn't in your notes. I just want you to write this down. God doesn't want to bless the fake version of you. He wants what's real. He wants what's raw. But pastor, come on. If people knew who I really am, can I let you know something? Hi, welcome to Relevant Church. We're all messed up, including the guy that's preaching to you right now, okay, <laughs> right? What did we do this morning? We all came in with our Christian face. Hey, brother, how are you? You doing good? Man, I'm blessed, right? But you fought on the way here, right, you know? That we all do that. What does our social media generation try to preach to us? Hey, show the best, but hide the rest. Be the, be, be the impossible version that nobody else can live up to. 
Everybody's comparing themselves to the best version of you and you're comparing yourselves to the best version of them. But Jesus says, hey, not so with you. I'm not looking for the best version of you. In fact, that's not really why I died. I died for the good, but especially the bad and the ugly. Man, I came down to get in the mess. In fact, his word lets us know he finds his perfection not in your offerings, not in your performance. He said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Where nobody knows what you even try to shy away from. So if you want pain and you want to invite it into your life, hey, do this, man, do this. Be as perfect as you can. Live out perfectionism. Man, but if you want a real life and a real relationship with God, and you want to see the power inside of his life, in, in his life through you, and there's another way. But first, you got to defeat this, perfectionism. Everybody say perfectionism. Come on, give somebody an elbow next to you and say, hey, don't be that. Come on. Don't be that. Here's what perfectionism is by, um, by definition standard. It's perfectionism is a set of self-defeating beliefs or behaviors. Man, I love that. That's a worldly term. But it says this. It says, hey, man, you want pain inside your life? You want to defeat yourself? Just try to be as perfect to everybody as you can. But it's the opposite with the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is be as real as you can with Christ. And can I just let you know something? Here's what Christ is always going to do. Man, he's going to come in. He's going to love you. You know, a lot of us, we have this version of God inside of our head and he's like Zeus and he's holding a lightning bolt and because you have messed up, you have fallen short of his glory. Like Romans 3 tells us, he's going to throw lightning bolts at you every single time that you mess up. It's a version that says you messed up. Shame on you, but that's not God. You know who God is? Hey, you messed up. Here's the way out. And can I let you know something? If you get real with Christ and you get into a very real relationship with him, you know what he's going to do? He's going to push you to people. He's going to push you to people inside your life to help take care of your yesterdays that you truly can't heal and be whole until you're surrounded by people. A lot of us think that we can go into this Christian journey. This is a part of the performance-based mentality inside religion. That, hey, I will do this. Okay, God, I feel your presence. I feel your touch. I'm going to go out there and conquer it. Can I let you know? You can't conquer it without a team around you. You've got to have people. That's why this church does groups. I'd encourage you to go online and check them out to jump in one, even if you're not feeling it at first. Why? Because you need it. And then, man, I, I would just encourage you, hey, jump on a team here. Not even because, like, this church, I mean, we just need volunteers. We need people to serve. It's not even about that. It's so you'll get in life-giving community and live for something bigger than you. That's the reason why. But if you want pain, try and fight that army of hell by yourself. Try and muster it up on your own. But I want to submit to you this last point this. If you want rest, <laughs> be real. I told you guys today, this is a, like the simplest of messages, right? If you want true rest, and here's what, look, I'm not talking about a nap, <laughs> although those are good things. How many of you plan to take a nap today? Come on, Sunday afternoon naps in Jesus' name, right? right? I'm not talking about a nap. I'm not talking about sitting down eating Doritos, watching football, although that is holy, okay, <laughs> right? Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rest for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
In fact, I, I, I love this, Matthew chapter 11, and I, I wouldn't call it a translation, I would call it a paraphrase. This is what the message paraphrase says. This is Jesus talking. He says, are you tired? In fact, let's, just, let's stop there after the first two sentences. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Is that anybody in the room, if you would just be honest? Anybody just tired, worn out in the room? He says this, are you burnt out on religion? You know what that means? AKA performance. I love this because Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take real rest. I love that term because it says real. Not the rest in what the world can give you. Because hey, here's what the world's going to teach you to do. That man, hey, are, if you're tired, you're worn out, you're burnt out on religion, cope with something from this world. Cope with a pill, cope with a drug, cope with a drink, cope with a relationship. And Jesus says, no, 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 you want true rest? Come to me. Cope with me. He says this, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. I'm the best teacher, the best leader, the best model. He says this, learn, I love this term, the unforced rhythms of grace. And he makes a promise here that me, the world might do this, people around you might do this, but me, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn this, how to live freely and lightly, right? I, here's the common thread through that. The only way for you to have real rest, be with Jesus. Like go into a real relationship with him. If you are a prodigal, if you're somebody who's been far from God for far too long, it's time to be with him. It's time to spend time with him. It's time to open that door back up and go into the presence of Jesus. Because if you want real rest, you're not going to find it in this world. You're not going to find it by your own coping mechanisms. And hear me on this. I believe in discipline with all of my heart. I believe in, in earthly disciplines. You can't discipline yourself enough. What you need is this. You need a God that loves you so much that because you fall short of who he is, he would send the best thing that he has down to this earth to die in your place. His name is Jesus. You want real rest? Spend time with the one who gave up himself for you. Go back to Psalm 51. He says this. He says, my sacrifice, God, is a broken spirit in this, a humble and a contrite heart. And here's what's going to happen. You're not going to despise it. And maybe you're in here today and you can look at all four of my eyes, okay, because my vision is going and my hair is thinning and it is embarrassing, okay, right? Anybody's just getting older in the room, you know, right? Can I let you know something? Because of what you've done, because of who you've been with, because of the mistakes that you made, that doesn't mean that God despises you. Let me say that again. He does not despise you. Why? Because we have a promise in Romans chapter 8. He says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation, let's just call it all and what it is, will be able to separate you from this. The love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And what is he? He's not just friend. He's not just spirit. He is this Lord. And that's what he has to be. Meaning this, that today, maybe if Jesus has been, you know, this kind of this friendly or dating relationship that you've been in, kind of a friend with some benefits today, you need to make the decision that, okay, I am all in. And here's what has to happen. He's got to be Lord. He's got to be everything in your life committed to follow him. Why? Because listen to me, 
If you want pain, go your own way. Try to be as perfect as you can. And if you want true rest, make him Lord of your life. Now, um, my keys player, you can come on back out because I want to close this. And I, I want to close it with another story of Jesus. I feel like I've, I've thrown a, a ton of scripture at you today, but man, I just, like, I believe in the scripture speaking for itself. Uh, Jesus was on a mission. Can I let you know, Jesus did this. He worked really hard. And he went fast. He also knew this. I need to spend time with my father. In fact, the Bible says that he would retreat to pray. And on his way to go heal this young boy who was 12 years old, he gets stopped by somebody with an ailment, by somebody who was not perfect, and by somebody with an issue. And maybe that's you today that you come into this church showing the best, but you're hiding the rest. You're hiding the issue. And this is what happens. This is known as the woman with the issue of blood. It says, in the crowd that day, there was a woman who was 12 years from being afflicted with hemorrhaging, meaning she was bleeding. It says this, she had spent every penny that she had on doctors, but not one of them was able to help her. Meaning this, she tried the man-made performance and it didn't work. She slipped in from behind and she touched the edge of Jesus' robe. And at that moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. And Jesus says, who touched me? Can you imagine that moment? Come on, this guy with this reputation, he's going around preaching, teaching, healing. Who touched me? I love, I love the Bible. And I, I don't know if this is like you. When I read scripture, it's like a movie in my head. You know, like the movie trailer guy at every point. Jesus walking to Samaria this summer. You know, right? That's how, I'm sorry, it's weird in here, okay? <laughs> he says, Peter shows up. I feel like, honestly, I, I kind of live his life sometimes. He says, when no one stepped forward, you know Peter going to talk. He said, but master, we've got crowds of people on our hands. Dozens have touched you. Can you imagine Peter like, hey, Jesus, man, I know you created the heavens and the earth. You did that all seven days, everything. Like you handed people together, like all, all that. And uh, man, bro, a lot of people are touching you right now. <laughs> He's missing the point because of this. It says Jesus insisted that somebody has touched me and because I felt power discharged from me, and when the woman realized what she couldn't hide anymore, she knelt down trembling before him and in front of all the people, embarrassingly, she blurts out her story why she touched Jesus and how at the same moment that she's healed. Can you picture this? This woman with an issue? Something that has been, made her an outcast? I wish I had time to preach all the things and the cultural reasons why she shouldn't even be allowed to come into the city. She crawls through dirt. She's desperate for help. She's desperate from her pain. She can't make her own self perfect. And she knows if I can, if I can just touch him, maybe something will happen. She touches him. He feels the power discharge. He says, who has touched me? And can you imagine this woman embarrassingly, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I just thought, you know, maybe, hey, I, I've heard about this man who's been raising the dead and healing the sick and crippled people getting up walking again. I thought just maybe, I could, in my own case, I could just get some help from you, Jesus. I'm sorry, I'll go away. I just need you to know my pain has ceased, my problem has ceased. And you would think at that moment, because of the culture that they were in, why? Because culture is so loud, right? You would think at that moment, the rabbi would have turned around and said, who are you that you would touch God? 
Who are you that you would bring your issue to the Messiah, the chosen one, the one sent from the Father himself? But he uses language that I just want you to know is crazy. Because he says this. He doesn't say, woman, hey, person with the issue. That's not how God views humanity. He says this. He says, daughter. That's family language. That's different. He says, daughter, you took a risk. You lived in faith, trusting me. And check this out. Now you're healed and whole. And I love this. He gives you the way out. Go live well and do this. Live blessed. Why? <laughs> she wasn't trying to be perfect. She wasn't trying to put on her best clothes. She wasn't trying to walk with the crowd and weave through. No, she said, I'll get on my hands. I'll get on my knees. I'll get in the dirt and I'm going to go approach Jesus. And can I just let you know, I don't know what type of mess you're in or what type of mess you're going to be in at some point in time. What we need is not our own performance and all the things that we can religiously muster up in our own change in our own ways. What we need is rest. The only way to do that is to have a real relationship with Jesus.